the canine condition. Come, sit, stay. Welcome to season two of the Canine Condition Podcast. I am your host, Jackie Pignol. Each episode is a conversation with a trustworthy dog rescue organization or animal welfare advocate that will leave you inspired and empowered. This is the why, where, and how to adopt or help a canine family member. The goal is to save homeless dogs and set you up for success with information and resources to raise and keep a healthy and well-balanced dog. Embark on this journey with me, and let's save humans' best friend together. Have you ever been to Miami, Florida? I happen to have a lot of family and friends in Miami and grew up spending many summers and vacations in Miami since I was a kid. We all know Florida has really, really hot weather. It is a beautiful state with a real multicultural setting, especially in Miami. You can find food from all over the world, meet the most fun people from all cultures, and hear many languages spoken. And of course, it has its beaches and a fantastic shopping scene. But since we are about canines on this podcast, let's talk about the canine condition in Miami, Florida. There's definitely an overpopulation of homeless dogs in the city. The state of Florida has its share of problems battling dog overpopulation, abuse, and neglect. And when we are dealing with temperatures like the ones in sunny Florida or torrential downpours, the last thing you want is to find yourself endlessly roaming the streets without food or shelter. And it is no different for a canine companion. My guest on the podcast today is Meg Sadala, president and founder of Miami Animal Rescue. This licensed nonprofit rescue organization is dedicated to the two major aspects that save animals in their city. Their goals are to rescue abused or stray animals from dangerous situations, provide immediate medical attention, including deworming, shots, microchip identification, and sterilization, as well as behavioral assistance. And two, to educate people about spay and neuter programs and build community understanding about the overpopulation issues and responsible pet ownership in order to minimize the homeless dog population. Let's find out from Meg how Miami Animal Rescue is tackling these goals and how we can help. Welcome to the Canine Condition Podcast, Meg. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. We get to talk about Miami and Animal Rescue in Miami, Florida, one of my favorite cities in the United States. So let's start by you telling us why you decided to start a 501c3 nonprofit organization in the city of Miami. Wow, that's uh, that's a long story. Um, (laughs) I basically always had it in me. I loved animals and I felt very connected and very drawn to them. Um, But that's not when my mom decided to send me to school. She said, absolutely not. That's not future. There's no money in there. You have to uh, be a musician, learn to how to play piano and speak English. And this is how you make money. I'm like, mom, this is not what I want to do. But that came uh, 12 years of music school for me. And then I graduated that. Wow. Then moved to United States back in 2003, and I do carry a real estate agent license. So I've been visiting a lot of foreclosed homes, and what struck me is that why is it so many dogs left behind? I thought it was just some, you know, isolated events, but then just one after another, I just saw more and more, and I'm like, that's the thing that people do right here. People just dump animals and they left, leave them behind. And I started taking care of them at first, just like, you know, a person that was just helping a dog, but then there was another pit bull and another large big dog and another black big dog and another brown big dog. And I'm like, 
I think I need to start doing something different because, you know, money was running out. My credit card was maxed out. And then soon I got a, a lien information on my house. It's going to go into foreclosure. I was just clueless. I was going to wow, right. emergency vets, you know, paying thousands of dollars because I wanted to save them. But it was just absolutely no plan back in there. So some changes had to be made. So I started talking to some mentors, people who... Uh, were in uh, this area and they were doing this for a long time. Like, how do you do it? What do you do different? Where does money come from? And and all that. And then I'm like, wow, I need to do some changes in my life. I need to um, open a rescue and actually start asking for help, which was a huge thing for me because I, I everything was just me and me and me. Right. You didn't feel like asking for help was, it's not easy sometimes, right? But you're doing it for the right reasons. It just wasn't an easy ask. It was just so overwhelming. I understood, like, I can't just do it myself. The phone was ringing nonstop. People are asking, come here, come there. Here's a dog there. Here's a dog delivering in the street. There's a iguana stuck in a fence. There's something else. And I'm like, I just have to, even though I really hated it. I always tried to do everything myself, don't bother others. But it just, uh, the volumes were were just astronomical. And I'm like, you guys need to pretend it takes a village. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, in a populated city like Miami, I'm very familiar with Miami because I grew up spending a lot of my summers there growing up. My Uh grandparents live there. I have a lot of extended family from Colombia, South America, who moved to Miami in the 80s. So um, I'm very familiar with Miami and also the extreme heat, which I'm sure plays a factor in, in finding these dogs in situations of abandonment, correct? Definitely not working on their favor. I mean, people sometimes even think it's okay to leave their own dog in their backyard full day on the sun. I'm like, you try go and sit in there for four hours and then you tell me how you feel because, you know, people tell me, oh, he's used to it. No, you're not. You cannot get used to being exposed to sun with no, you know, shade. And the water usually is gone within 20 minutes. So I'm not understanding why people do that. Why you take a dog if you have to stick it somewhere and it's just an inconvenience for you and, you know, endanger his life. Absolutely. Because as much as we advocate for dog rescue and dog adoption, we don't think everyone is suited to adopt or have a dog, right? I think people have to ask themselves, am I ready for this commitment and responsibility of 15 years or plus? Absolutely. It's a long-time commitment. And then you have to understand it's just like with children. Um, Sometimes people say, oh, you know, he's a bad dog. He's not a bad dog. You didn't teach him how to be a good dog. If you exactly. get a dog and you leave for a whole day and, you know, you rent a little studio in Miami Beach and you're a lawyer and you're 12 hours a day, you're out of the house. The dog is going crazy over there. He's bored. He has anxiety. Then he starts developing some aggressive behaviors because he's just bored out of his mind. You left him there for 12 hours. So that's also, I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking about this further down the road, but it's also part of our process for adoption to kind of understand what's your living situation? How's your lifestyle? Who lives in your house? Is it a big family that you have parents and grandparents living in the same house and then full of grandchildren? Someone is always home or you're this, you know, high executive that leaves the house first thing in the morning. Then after work, you still go to the gym and you have to do shopping and you're out of the house for 14, 16 hours. So it just all depends, but people don't think about it. They come into the store, they see a little puppy, like, oh, puppy. And the kids are pulling, you know, and tugging, you know, like, mommy, can we get a puppy? Like, we are so against it. That's not something they should be, you know, acted on some emotions or a moment. So we have this lengthy on purpose process to adopt. It's not exclusive. It's very inclusive, but it's just, it's, we want you to understand this is a responsibility. Things may go a different way. You know, your mother-in-law may move in and then she she's allergic to cats. And then what are you going to do with that cat? I, I want to know. I just don't want for that cat to be 
again, in that situation that he's being thrown out because he's been thrown out once and our job is to make sure it doesn't happen again. Right. And you don't want, you know, further down the road unexpectedly, you know, someone knocking on your door going, hey, remember us? We adopted from you. Here you go. Because I've seen yeah. that happen. And that's yeah, so heartbreaking. It does. It's just that's why you have to try to investigate as much as you can in front and talk to them and ask a lot of what if questions because people rent and then everybody is eager to adopt this cute fluffy puppy, but the puppy grows. And in a year, if it's a lab or a shepherd, it's 90 pounds. And then you have to move and they're like, oh, I have no place to move because Miami is not really that friendly when it comes to rentals. And you can either not have a dog at all or it's maximum 25 pounds. So then where do I go? So then, you know, either you wait too long or you're not willing to pay this extra hundred dollars a month or or just you don't do anything and you wait till the last second. And then, then there's a phone call. It's like, well, we're moving and our new landlord does not accept pets. Well, why are you moving there? Because you have one. So if you're exactly. not 55 plus, you cannot move into 55 plus community and so on. So um, it's just very, um, very casual, unfortunately, my own. Right. There's a lot to consider, you know, as I'm, I'm hearing you say these things, I'm thinking, oh, it's really good to ask all these questions. Like, even if it's not someone living with you, is there someone that comes over a lot or may move in with you that is allergic? Because those are things you're thinking ahead for them, even though sometimes people think like, why are you asking me personal questions? And you're actually doing them a favor by setting them up for success early. Definitely, we try to help some people who just don't even know that there might be a non-refundable $750 deposit in their rental building if they own a pet or your rental goes up $200 because you own, but just really don't know it. They move from you know a different county or, or state and then they just unaware. So we're trying to investigate as much as we can. We're trying to see what you do. Are you more outdoor person? Do you have a backyard if the dog is active? Like he's just going to destroy your apartment. You cannot be, be zooming through the room. So the more questions you ask and people are open. If they're really looking for a forever friend, they'll open up to you and they'll they will let you know what's going on. Great. I love to hear that because, you know, I do meet people who in passing or we may have a casual conversation and they'll be like, well, what's it like to adopt? Do they ask a lot of questions? When somebody says that to me, my fear is that they don't want to be asked any questions. They just want to be given a dog and goodbye and they want to just do whatever they want. Oh, never like that. It's several no. pages first to kind of like start a conversation to understand how your family looks like. Do you have any pets? Because that's also very important. Pets get jealous when you bring a new puppy home. It can be a whole sort of different issues with the dog that's just acting up like, like this older brother. You guys are not paying attention to me. You're replacing me. He's going to start urinating on your sofa, chewing your furniture, even not talking to the newborn baby. There's a lot to it. And to my listeners, I'd like to just reiterate that if you feel like an application is just asking one too many personal questions, it really isn't because people are trying to be nosy. It really is more because they want to give you and adopt out a dog that is best suited for your environment, for your lifestyle, so that you as the human being will be happy and have an easier time raising this dog or cat. That's really important to share with my listeners because I think people sometimes get the wrong idea of how detailed an application can be. And I think the more detailed, the better. 
There was obviously not an appropriate question. So we just want to know because some people adopt for the first time, they're actually know nothing about owning a dog or potty training or is it okay for a dog to breathe fast at night or roll their eyes because they think they have convulsions or like it's just a lot of things that they do not know versus someone who had dogs nonstop just wants to adopt again because they feel lonely because their dog passed away so it all varies they're young couples they are together uh the boyfriend girlfriend in a couple months you guys might not even be together and then you come back to your Mm. mom you come back to your mom (laughs) none of those moms want this 90 pound dog right now so there's just a lot of different scenarios and we want to yeah. make sure the dog is happy, that people have this puppy experience that they want to have, that they don't take the dog home. That's just completely a mismatch and dog is going crazy. They're like, what are we doing wrong? I'm like, it's not that. Foster to adopt if that is something that suits better. If someone has a very small children, if someone has an elderly mother who, yeah, we don't want to get their tripped and break a hip or, you know, get, get hurt in any way. If someone has existing dog, like, oh, we don't know if he's going to like that. Well, let's just give him a chance. If I bring you a boyfriend home, like, hey, he's a boyfriend. People are like, wait, that's kind of fast. Like, hold on a second. What do you mean? <laughs> With adults, you're trying to like put them there. Like, they're not going to behave perfectly. They're going to figure out first new house, new smells, new people, new furniture, new layout. It takes a while. So we always tell them, please decompress, keep them for a week or two, see how, you know, all dynamics are working out and energy. And then, and then we'll figure out. And if it's not a match and if they really hate each other, because it's like either it's okay or they're just absolutely not. Right. You know, that's the other benefit to adopting is you're not stuck. You know, you can pay attention and early on and really stay in touch with the dog rescue organization you adopted your dog from. Obviously, if you adopt from Meg, you can see you have a lot of support in her and her rescue in making sure that you've made the right decision. And if not, don't be shy to say, you know what, can we maybe try a different type of dog, this type of energy, this type of breed. And I wanted to bring up a doggy I saw on your Instagram, Balto. Yes. Because I'm in love, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's advocate for Balto. For example, tell me what how was Balto rescued and what kind of a home would be best suited for a doggy like Balto? Balto is a Siberian husky. So it's a dog that definitely loves a lot of activities. So it's a person who either spends a lot of time outdoors, running, uh, biking, hiking, doing just a lot of activities. Uh, but on the other hand, we have to remember it's hot and then husky do tend to overheat. So he somehow ended up in Miami. He's already here. He seems to enjoy the weather. Just a person who's going to be willing to run and spend a lot of time and then do activities with him. That's not an apartment dog who's going to be sitting and waiting for you 12 hours. Maybe a person who works from home or a multifamily that there's someone always home, someone can take him out because the dog is young. He loves to play. He's not hyperactive. It's not a crazy jug wrestle terrier. It's going to jump up and down for eight hours straight. Right. But he likes his outdoors. Yes. So, and the husky um, breeds are that working breed kind of mentality. So they like to stay busy and motivated and, you know, kind of definitely something to do. Right. Definitely. And he's young. Um, so it's a good moment right now to partner up. He's still uh, in a sort of a puppy phase. Large dogs are feeling mature with like about three years old. Mm-hmm. I've said he's about a year and a half. Uh, we found him as a stray. We've been looking for the owner. The dog was not microchipped. Several weeks, nobody came through. It's usually like we find the owner right away. People cross paths. People really look for the dogs. We have a very good recognition in Miami. It's usually right away we find the owner or we just try the hardest possible ways. And it's been months and there's just no way. So wow. as of right now, he's still on his um 
theoretically stray hold period. He's in a foster home right now. We're making him open already for adoption right now with the still possibility that if the owner, you know, shows up and uh, we'll be lucky to find him, uh, they'll be happy to return. But so far there was no luck. So okay. he's looking for a place. Large dogs need help. They need a lot of promotion, support for some reason. Everybody wants this small fluffy puppy in Miami, but those large dogs struggle. If you go to the yes. shelter, that's what you see. There's 95% of big brown, big black dogs. They're just nobody even in that wing. Nobody's even looking. Oh, they just sit there. Heart. It's absolutely horrible. And there's no way for me or anybody with some sort of is working to go there and not bow. Like just you go there and it's it's horrible. They devastated. They said they they facing the wall, sitting their urine and feces, and they just they they help us. There's there's nobody interested. There's just so many. The overpopulation is a huge problem in Miami Dade. The biggest. Really, that makes me so sad. It's almost like you just feel like, oh, what can I do? What more can I do? Because I know everybody wants the little fluffy puppy, but a lot of families might forget that those fluffy puppies, they grow up. And if you're not adopting and you're buying those dogs, they're going to grow up. You have to spay and neuter because if you don't, then you're going to have an accidental litter and there's more dogs that you can't take care of or afford and they're going to end up in a shelter. And correct me if I'm wrong, Meg, but there are shelters that euthanize in Miami, right? I mean, they're not no-kill. Um, it is important to mention that the no-kill status doesn't mean the shelter does not euthanize. And a right. lot of people do not know that. They call us like, oh, but Miami, there are shelters and no-kill shelter. That only means the algorithm has to comply with a certain numbers and they cannot go above it. That does not mean the dogs are not getting euthanized. It's unfortunately for a past, I think, 20 plus years, the problem was the constant. It was about 20,000 animals euthanized each year in Miami-Dade County alone. And 90% of those animals, healthy animals, the animals that could be adopted, they're just, you know, they're not fluffy four-month-old Pomeranians. They are bully breeds. There are shepherds. There are older shepherds. There are American bulldogs. It's just the numbers are so huge that there is nothing else that the shelter can be doing at this moment. I'm not blaming the shelter. If 100 people brings you dogs and line them up every single day, they beloved pets, what is the shelter going to do? This is not some magic formula right here. People can only adopt a certain amount. We don't have housing issues here because, like I said, it's only 25 pounds on under or you cannot even have a large dog in the rental property. And there's also not that many people that can handle large dog and, and want them and understand them. So it's just, uh, you know, some availability, not huge. 95% of what you see in a shelter and on the streets are bully breeds and the large breed dogs. Oh, wow. And, you know, it's, I don't even know how to advocate for more adoption of large dogs because people sometimes don't even want to go into the shelter to see this because it's so heartbreaking. And yet what they don't understand is that these dogs, just because they sit in a kennel, the the visual is hard, but if they would just take that dog out and take a chance, they would see that dog is just like that four month old puppy who grew up into a larger dog and became a happy, healthy dog who just wants to be loved. 
Definitely what they need is an exposure because those dogs are sitting there, like you said, nobody's looking at them. If you bring them on Instagram, if you put a bandana on them, and if you give them a beautiful photo shoots, sometimes they get adopted right away. And then big dogs, like people say, oh, my house is too small. What does that even mean? The dog takes the size of like two tiles. Okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. so where do you people live? I always say that because I foster and I used to live in like thousand square feet in Miami and I can have 30 dogs in my house. They all fit. Big dogs are not runners. They're couch potatoes. They lay down there. They're going to yes. be there for a majority of the day. I'm assuring you, if you can foster puppies, you can as well foster large dogs. So what's that been happening for us pretty successfully is what's called a foster failure. People taking dogs to foster and they just immediately fall in love with them. They are amazing. Big dogs are, they love to hug and embrace you. And then big lap dogs, even though they're not, but they're amazing dogs and very loyal. And just people are like, wow, she's a great dog. I'm like, yes, of course it is a great dog. So we had a lot of people taking dogs just to foster absolutely no intention to adopt and they ending up adopting those large breed dogs because when we have a mom with the litter, the puppy's going to go probably with a day or two and the mom's going to be with us for six to eight months on average. Right. Yeah. That's and the mom true. sometimes is barely 10 months older than her old babies. Cause like well, right now I had a litter of German Shepherd. Mama was a year old. Babies were two months old. So I'm like, they're like almost wow. like siblings from another litter. And of course, all puppies adopted nobody wants a mom and they're the best the mama dogs i adopted a mama dog from georgia and my gosh she is a love she's a lab pit mix and i can't tell you how soulful and grateful this dog is to almost know that she was saved and is loved and has a safe home i see it in her eyes since the day i met this dog it's incredible when you take a chance on a dog like this German shepherd mama that Meg is talking about, I promise you, she will love you and give you years of unconditional love and excitement and fun. I've seen it happen over and over again. There's definitely true. People need to understand that them saying, you know, oh, I want to have a puppy experience. Well, for this dog, her puppy experience is being euthanized at, at 12 months. If nobody comes to her for a shelter, we would love to put more big dogs. Rescues don't have facilities. We are foster based. So if people do not offer their homes for us and the two weeks is minimum we require we just don't want to move dogs very often mm-hmm. just offer your home for two weeks try we don't place dogs that are aggressive we don't place dogs that you know in any way would be a danger for your house for your children obviously we don't want those issues either so those dogs are already pre-qualified mellow loving amazing just what the, everybody says too big there's no such thing no just no. give them a chance just give it a try foster once it doesn't cost anything we also offer community hours for fostering so students have been huge help for us really that's a fantastic uh, idea meg i hadn't heard that on the podcast tell me about that this is like a secret but a not secret because (laughs) uh every 501c rescue is allowed to give out community hours and every student every high school student middle school that they need to graduate they need to apply to um, scholarships financial aids they need community hours mm-hmm. there is no nicer easier and faster way to earn community hours than take a puppy or dog i'm sorry take a large dog home <laughs> right and foster it and then and community hours in exchange for saving lives and helping so I'm not really understanding how other rescues have an issue with fosters because we have a lot of fosters waiting. I think Miami Day is like number four in the county when it comes to um, education okay. uh, system. We have over 300 high schools. We have over 300,000 students just in Miami Dade. Everybody needs community hours. So 
we always have lines and lines. We always have people line up faster. What we struggle with is the sizing issue. Everybody's telling me, you know, oh, my parents uh, let me foster kittens, but they don't let me foster kids. And I know it's not true because what different does it make? You know, it's like, how big is a cat? What does it do? It's seven inch, okay? Or nine inch. Like, it doesn't right. matter. Let's not be silly. So if you can foster cats, you can foster kittens and vice versa. Same with dogs. Please open up a little bit more. If we don't open our homes and if you don't let this dog crash on your sofa for two weeks, they're going to get euthanized. Please remember, there's no such thing as no-kill shelter. Those dogs are there. There is no space. Guess what happens? Those that are there for too long or those in conditions that make them less attractive, they are going to be euthanized. Every rescue get a euthanasia list every single day from the shelter. You have pictures, you have, you know, so-called candidates, and they're all senior dogs and they're all big dogs. Yes, I've, I've seen Let's that. That's that's happening here in LA too. And I know there's always this goal of getting to no kill, which is a great goal. We want to stay on that mentality. However, we are not there yet. So I would like my listeners to know and any residents of Miami or Florida to understand that the shelters can, if they have a hundred spaces for dogs and they have 150 dogs, 50 of those dogs have got to go somewhere. And if there's nowhere for them to go, they have to start euthanizing and the cities actually have a budget for euthanasia, which is really sad that they have to use it simply because there aren't enough adopters or rescues available with foster homes to take these dogs in. So my advocacy really lies in if you're not going to adopt, perhaps you can do something small like offer up your home temporarily to take care of a dog. And you can even reach out to Meg at Miami Animal Rescue to do something like that. I promise you'll feel really good about it. And you also learn a lot about yourself, don't you, Meg? I feel like it's changed me as a person to offer that kind of help out without expecting anything in return. It's almost like life just teaches me or shows me something because I did that. It's definitely great for all ages. If you take a foster as a student, you learn responsibility, empathy. You obviously learn skills. A lot of people that have been volunteering for us, they chose a medical um, career or, you know, behavioral therapist just because they worked with the rescue and then they take care of animals and then they started making things like, I want to make a difference. I want to leave it better than I found it. There is so much need. And then they became vet techs and they study veterinary medicine right now. They open their own rescue. So it, it does change lives. And every animal has a story. If you look in their eyes and they look at you with that gratefulness that you mentioned before, they know you rescued their life. They know. They understand everything. They know they came from a horrible situation, abuse, abandonment, neglect. You know, they've been hungry on the streets and then they come to you. They beg for help. They know and they appreciate you. So Yes. Let's help them out. There's just really a never-ending way of showing this philanthropy in Miami. And if you cannot adopt foster, if you cannot foster, sponsor, donate, walk dogs, be a photographer. And then we don't even yes. require, you know, having a professional camera. iPhones are such an amazing tool right now. Use your iPhone, put it in portrait mode, take live photos, pick the best capture, take a short movie, make it fun. Everybody knows how to do those cute you know, posts and Instagram stories yeah. and selfies. You guys are so awesome with it. Use it. Post some right. funny things and it just really does help. It attracts attention. We whatever we put, we adopt immediately. And we have 20 people willing to adopt one one dog. But again, if we don't have a place for this one dog to go and crash for two weeks, we cannot pull it. Right. I would love to put more pit bulls. I would love to pull more elder shepherds. And then and we do 
but unfortunately it's mostly smaller dogs because that's what people want to commit to and i can only fit as many in my own house and then i have to extend myself and ask for help let's give them a chance you guys are going to be surprised how easy that is they're not very occupying they want right. to be next to you pretty much it's just being next to a human being that's all that yes. they want and just because they come from the shelter or they have a story of neglect, abuse, or abandonment, let me tell you from my own experience and having a pack of five pity mixes that are rescues, um, they don't bring baggage with them in terms of, oh, this is a damaged dog and it's just too much for me. That doesn't happen. And if there is a case like that, foster-based rescues are very open about that because they're not going to place just any dog with you unless you're ready for that special case. But if you just want to foster an easy dog, you know, that you just have to feed and take out and you're basically just being kind of like a dog sitter until that dog finds its forever home, easy dogs are, you know, a dime a dozen. They are available for foster. So I'm a big proponent of taking a chance and not thinking of them as damaged goods. And tell me, Meg, does this problem extend... I mean, I'm afraid of the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Does it extend outside your city borders? Does it go into other counties? Is it an issue throughout the state of Florida? I think it bleeds and gets worse because outside Miami-Dade, the income per capita is lower. So the sterilization just does not exist or it's just not easy accessible. Mm -hmm. People also breathe for money because it's their supplemental income and then they do it frequently. Ugh, so, uh, wherever you go, I don't think it's just Florida problem. I think it's every big city problem. We rescue all over the United States. For financial issues, we had to look for some outlet for us to have some sort of a shelter building outside Florida because we would never be able to afford anything in Florida. So we have a backup here, a shelter, offsite shelter in Colorado. We rescue a lot. This is the situation everywhere. When you go to New York, this is all big dogs. Everywhere we have so many bully breed dogs that just have no place to go. It's always a problem. Yes. And we've seen that, you know, obviously with the podcast, because I'm covering organizations and trying to cover all 50 states, not only to give people an option to know that they can adopt help and rescue in their own city, but also to bring to light that it is a national crisis. We have a national homeless dog crisis in 2022, and it's not going away anytime soon. And more of us need to take action in any way, shape or form, whatever we can do to minimize this abuse, abandonment, and neglect. So this, this breeding for extra money, I mean, all I have to say to people like that is get a real job because there is one out there for you and stop making money off of breeding your own dog. That is just cruel to me. And, you know, we could talk, we could have a whole podcast about that, Meg, but I won't. <laughs> Definitely. That's one, one is that. And the second is puppy stars. I mean, we don't have this problem in other countries. And I have friends from Canada who tell me the problem of homelessness in Canada for dogs just really doesn't exist. If you look at Scandinavian countries like Norway, there are no puppy stars there, nope. but they're not stray dogs. And as long as you have two stray dogs in the shelter, they're not going to allow it. It's just very simple formula. Why are we producing more? And then at the same time, we're killing like crazy. That just doesn't make any sense. It's illogical. Yeah, I agree. And since you were saying there's a lot of bully breed dogs, obviously filling the shelters, that's definitely true for the West Coast and all the states I've been to. Doesn't Miami-Dade County specifically have BSL laws? And if so, what does that actually mean for this county and these dogs? 
Yes. So uh, we do not allow pit bulls. It extends to actually many other breeds. I saw some ridiculous restrictions to the breeds that have like absolutely nothing to do with being aggressive ever, like German Shepherds, just due to size. I guess associations don't want to deal with damages, cleaning, waste, uh, additional baskets and expenses for uh, doggy poops and, and just other stuff like that. But it's it all comes to being a canine discrimination. We are targeting a specific breed, but we really blame the wrong end on the leash. Every dog can turn on you. Chihuahuas are pretty vicious. Yes. So if you keep the dog, you know, in the cage and you poke him with a stick, everybody's going to get mad. You would get livid if someone was mistreating like you. If someone was abusing you, using you for fights, starving you, you would be mad no matter where you're born, what color of your skin you are. You just, it generates anger. Yes. We are blaming the wrong side of the leash. I'm so glad you said that. We're blaming the wrong side of the leash because it's the human that created this doggy to be a certain way, no matter what their breed. And then we have these HOAs who then put a blanket statement and they say no dogs or no dogs of this breed or no dogs of this size. And why? Because there have been tenants, homeowners and residents who have been irresponsible and who have let those dogs down and it's affected other community members. So people complain and then we all suffer for it. It's just maddening to me. You know, I've seen it in my own grandparents community, which is a very dog friendly community, but yes. people don't pick up the poop after their dogs. And I think to myself, man, if people start leaving this poop in this nice neighborhood over and over again, one day that HOA is going to be like, okay, no more dogs. And then what? Right? Yes, nobody wants to deal with issues. And then and when it comes to people, it's really funny because most people should know that people, the people's really score very high when it comes to um, their friendliness with humans, mm -hmm. how intelligent they are, how family oriented they are, how loyal, how protective they are. And they score like one of the highest on all behavioral tests and all the rankings. So most of those dogs, the people call so-called pit bulls running on the street. If you go and run DNA test on the dog, he's going to have like, I don't know, 27 breeds in him. They just bully breeds, mutts of some sort. I guess people just in general are scared of the look, which is tough. It's not the look for everyone. But those dogs are really, like I said, couch potatoes the second you take every pit bull that in in a shelter might not look friendly but you would not be friendly if you're in prison and you know you can be next one pull and then kill that's just not the environment for them to be super sweet you put right. them in a car literally 30 seconds after they leave this screaming terrifying the smell of death they look at you and they lick you in the face and, and you just start bawling it and you just cry you are the sweetest thing. And they give you belly. And they, I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Look at this dog. And I always take those videos. I grab my car, like people waving from Miami Dade. <laughs> yeah. Bye -bye. Right here, you know? I'm like, look at him. How can you not want to foster this? Mush. Absolutely. I know. And I was going to ask you, um, do you adopt out of state? I mean, since these dogs, let's just say, if you save bully breeds, you can't adopt them out in Miami-Dade. Do you go outside the city or out of state to adopt out? Or do you just not take bully breed dogs? We all try to help. So shelter is marking all bully breeds as either American Bulldog mix or Terrier mix. Uh, you will barely ever see the dog that would be described as Pitbull or Pitbull mix. Like I would have to have really, really strict breed characteristics to be marked right. as a Pitbull. Okay. We do adopt um, all over the United States. We do offer free transportation if there is any adopter in Alaska 
interested in one pit bull in Florida will take 27 volunteers who would drive three, four hours, switch, and we'll get that pit bull wow. there. It has happened before. We do it all the time. We do a lot of crazy, insane things that people would never think that a person with the right mind would do. We do anything to save them. I love it. I love to hear that. And tell me, I wanted to ask you just on, on a personal level, what story or is there one you can narrow it down to that has made you say, I have to keep doing this? Was there a rescue in particular that made you say, I will not stop. I have to continue to be a voice for these voiceless animals. I think for me, it's an everyday thing, because when you look into every single dog's eye, they all have a story. They look at you and just this one look of this gratefulness of being saved, taking off the street when it's scorching hot. You just can't quit. You may get sad. You may get burned out. People want to call you this and that. And there's a pressure and there's critique and there's this constant what we call keyboard warriors. You know, people that always have opinion. Oh, yes. That and that way and screenshot, screenshot. And she said that and he said that. So you like extend yourself to the levels that people have no idea about. People that rescue, we sleep like four hours a day. We have no social life. All we do is literally 24-7. I sleep four hours, I get up, I start over. When my family goes to Thanksgiving, I get a phone call from the shelter saying, we're about to close on the shelter, but we have 12 puppies here. If nobody comes for them, we have to euthanize them. I go to the shelter. When oh my, my friend pack up for the weekends to go for the getaway and they call me to go with them, I'm packing up cages and, and playpens. So we go to PetSmart and we run adoption marathons for the whole weekend. So it's... Uh, it's nonstop, you know, pressure and you have to keep pushing and you have to have extreme thick skin. So it's every story. I mean, stories are daily. Uh, we had a rat terrier that we found circling in the street and he was maybe 12 years old. Someone dumped him. He was deaf. He was blind. Oh. And I'm like, what I'm going to do with this 12 years old end of life, poor thing. And obviously, you know, you can imagine million adopters willing to adopt blind, circling, spinning, you know, 12 years old. Rat terrier. So we took it into the rescue, and some lady sent me an application from Switzerland, and I thought it was a joke. So really? I didn't respond to the email. She's like, "Here, we want to fly from Switzerland." I'm like, "Yeah, right." Like someone would actually. <laughs> and then she sent me a message another day, and then she's like, "Do you want to see my house?" Because you're not responding to me. I'm like, "Are you really gonna take your husband and fly from Switzerland to Miami to adopt a 12 years old?" They did. Husband and wife, we thought it was a joke, but they sure did fly in. Both of them to Miami. They got his name was Pretzel. They got pretzel um, Swiss passport and we got all formalities done because it's a special way to get dogs out of Switzerland. They have to have some things done differently and, and it's very specific. And And the dog was living happy life for another many years, skating, um, <laughs> doing fashion runs and being loved. And it was just the most amazing story. So you never know, really. But every single one deserves to be saved. They cannot help themselves. They cannot go to Publix and get food. They cannot get somewhere to call down. They've been thrown away in the nurseries. Oh, they're going to fend for themselves. Where? There is no food. We grow oranges and avocados. They don't eat that. They eat. Right. They're happy to find the dead raccoon, which makes them super sick. That's about it. And they get hit by cars. 
and they die in the sun, there's no water, they fall in canals, we have gators, like, it's just really horrible, it just gets worse and worse, please don't throw them away, please don't leave them in the middle of nowhere, there is over 100 rescues in Miami, I know it's tough to find the availability, I know the shelter is non-stop calls, I know the shelter doesn't even take calls to go out, but decency, put them at least in a garage, give them water, just, just, just wait it out, just find some solution, do not leave them on the street, that's just the worst possible thing you can do, and they end up in the worst hands and people you know use them for fighting or breeding just don't don't create more problems if if you can at least hang out to them and then you know start reaching out to rescues and someone will always help this way or another i agree yes please um i couldn't express that better so thank you for saying that. And also, I know that Miami has a very large Spanish-speaking community, obviously, because I'm Latin American and I speak Spanish when I go there with my family. I mean, sometimes you don't even need to use English in certain areas of the city. So for any listeners who might know someone who doesn't know English or English is their second language, and they find themselves in a similar situation... Just because English is a barrier, you know, language for them doesn't mean there isn't help. And there is help, you know, I'm happy to speak to anyone in Spanish and find help for you. Así es que para cualquier persona que esté escuchando este capítulo y que solo sepan español o conozcan personas que no saben inglés y están en la ciudad de Miami y quieren ayudar o necesitan ayuda con sus propias mascotas, por favor, no dejen de buscar esa ayuda. Y yo aquí en The Canine Condition Podcast se la puedo ofrecer. Me pueden escribir y yo les ayudo a conseguir esa ayuda. Sorry, Meg, to go there on a tangent, but uh, I don't speak a word in Spanish, but uh, it made sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to share that message in Spanish because it's very close to me um, as my first language and as a community that I love and support. I would like everyone to know that sometimes just because we don't speak the language doesn't mean that we can't get help or that help isn't there for us. So I want to offer that opportunity to anyone in Miami who doesn't know who to reach out to contact me and I can certainly point you in the direction of low-cost spay and neuter, vaccination clinics, how to put together a fundraiser if you need a surgery for your animal, where to adopt or foster. I can send them to Meg. <laughs> so we definitely have tons of resources and then we always can at least direct you. If we cannot admit a dog, if we don't have funds or available fosters, we always know at least 100 other rescues that can help. We can provide you with vouchers for free vet visits. If you cannot afford a vet visit, we'll be happy to help with that. Their vets, they're extending themselves too, and then offering, you know, free dewarming, uh, fecal check, free vaccinations, free rabies shots, free microchipping. Amazing. Reach out to us, and we'll definitely be, be happy to assist. Great. And for those people who want to help Miami Animal Rescue, but they're out of state or they can't foster or adopt from you, Meg, what are other ways they can reach out and add a little bit of help and support for your rescue? We definitely need advocates um, all over the country. We need fosters. Uh, we can allocate the animal with you, even if you're outside Miami-Dade. If you're willing to foster a little bit longer, you can be a distant foster. Some dogs do not adopt easy. If we take a large animal, um, like I said, the large breed dogs, they're not in a puppy age anymore. They stay with us six, seven, eight months if they have medical issues, maybe over a year. So if you live outside Miami-Dade and if it's central Florida, but you're willing to foster a dog until it gets adopted, we'll be definitely super happy to work with you as well. Um, if you can donate to uh, our Amazon wish list, we have a lot of articles that we non-stop use and need. We need baby pots, we need wet food for both dogs and cats always. 
kids, we need toys. You can foster, you can donate, you can adopt, and you can just advocate for us. You can share our stories. You can be a pet photographer, like we discussed it too. You can come one day and visit several places and then, and, and, you know, take pictures of several animals and help us out because picture is everything. Yes. If you don't have a good picture of animal, if that's just, you know, somewhere sitting on someone's lap in a dark place, that animal have no exposure. That was a big problem in Miami Day too. I see they finally got some new system and animals have nice professionally done pictures. That's the very first thing. How can you expect the animal being rescued from the shelter? No image available. How is this possible? There's I no know. image available. How would anybody go, hey, hey, can, can I see that dog that has no picture? Come on now. Yes. And that's really in today's day and age, it's totally unacceptable not to have a photo up. So if you see someone who doesn't have a photo up, rather than maybe getting upset or thinking like, oh, how dare you? Maybe you want to offer them the opportunity to provide photos or connect with someone in that area who can offer photos because maybe they need that kind of help. I know there's a lot of remote areas in the southern states, particularly Louisiana and Georgia, where these remote shelters don't have enough help. And they would love for people to go in there and take pictures. So that could also be the case in some of these Miami shelters and Florida shelters. And on that note, tell us, Meg, where can our uh, listeners find and follow Miami Animal Rescue? Um, what's your social media or website? As soon as someone go. comes, it's going straight on Instagram. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. We also have our MiamiAnimalRescue.org a site which you can see all available dogs and cats and other animals. And you can see whether they're located in our Miami um, foster-based homes or they here in our ranch in Colorado. And also you can contact us always by text. I always respond. We get a lot of emails and hundreds of text messages and DMs and, 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 and instant messaging on Facebook. It's quite a bit of communication. We try to get to it as soon as we can. But you can definitely get the answer within 24 hours, regardless if you're interested in adoption or fostering or being a sponsor or donate. Great. Thank you so much. And I will have those live links in the show notes for this episode so anyone can easily click and find and connect with Miami Animal Rescue. Our listeners should also know that I am not getting paid to advocate for any organization or individual on this podcast. I choose to interview guests from organizations that I know are doing the good work for dogs and for people across America. And in this case, beyond, because if you're out there and you want to adopt a dog from Miami Animal Rescue, but you're in another country, reach out to Meg. Do not be shy. Ask because you never know if it's the right match. You may just be lucky enough to adopt one. We are here to help. Yes. Thank you, Meg, for your advocacy, for taking action in this very important cause in the city of Miami. And I do hope that a lot of my friends and family will hear this episode and perhaps, you know, at least connect with you or find a way to give to the homeless dogs and cats and other animals of Miami-Dade County. Thank you, Meg. My absolute pleasure. Let's save more animals in 2022. Let's do it. Yes. After each conversation on this podcast, I do a lot of pondering. I think to myself, why can't we save them all? The reality is because it would take all humans to do something to end the problem. Because right now, that's how bad the problem is. And goodness knows we have plenty of problems to address in life and in our surroundings, in our communities, because we are such a populated world today. The truth is the problem of dog homelessness and overpopulation would end 
if everyone would spay and neuter their current dogs and cats, and if more people would take a chance on fostering or adopting the ones that are already born and are here homeless waiting for you. So that's the solution. Sounds easy enough, doesn't it? Not quite. Not unless we're all willing to step out of our comfort zone and take a chance or move a step closer toward doing something to help the canine condition. If you are in Miami or if helping the dogs of Miami and its surrounding areas speaks to you, please reach out to Miami Animal Rescue. As you heard, Meg is always willing to share resources, direct you toward help, or bring you onto her team of fosters and volunteers because you are always needed. Thank you for joining me for this episode. Please press subscribe on our podcast and tell all of your dog loving friends about it. Until next time, hang on to those leashes. The canine condition. Come, sit, stay. <laughs> <laughs>